Okay. Hello, everyone. Have we actually started? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording, mate. All right, yeah. No, yeah. I noticed that part. I just There was a lot of waffle going on. I just wondered if we'd actually started or not. Well, we start in <laughs> now. Okay. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Um, I'm Paul, and I am somewhere between a load of tiling and building some wardrobes. <laughs> I'm Martin. I am in my loft, and I'm somewhere between a mini digger and an eight-foot skip. <laughs> So, I'm having some building work done, so we might get interrupted. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, what what are we talking about this week, Martin? Of course, we're going to be covering all the latest AI tools and news that we've come across this week. Yeah, there's a um, lot, as usual. Yeah. But, you know, as we're trying to relate stuff back to FluxQX, which is our new startup, I thought we'd talk a little bit about do we design entirely our own tools and platform or do we rely on a load of other people's platforms? And or to put somewhere that, in between. Or somewhere in between, which is probably going to be the answer. Yeah. But, you know. Um, uh, to so, put that thanks in, for listening. And bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, we're done. But to try and put that into some context is, um, okay, relating it back to our old world, are we trying to build a new camera system or we put in building a new lens for a camera or if you're doing it in a sort of audio world are we building a new door so like a new ableton or a new pro tools or a new fruit fruity loops or are we trying to design a um plugin or a theme or whatever it happens to be because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're very vastly different prospects aren't they i mean that's that's all over the place isn't it there's it's not just technology that people use, but there is actually a huge marketplace for anything that supports a bits of technology. I've been looking quite closely at it, and Ableton is a a popular door, um, yeah. and we have, over the last few weeks, been trying to find out exactly how popular. <laughs> but I think it's in the millions. <laughs> if you look at somewhere like Reddit, for instance, just, just the, the sort of main Ableton board has got 380,000 users, and you could consider, certainly for an older generation, Reddit as being quite fringe. Yeah. Even though it touts itself as the front page of the internet, but you know. Yeah, well, the weird thing is with Reddit, it's not weird. You'll know this because you've been in Reddit for ages. It's quite new to me. Right. Is that you spot something on Reddit and about three days later, you see it on somebody's Twitter feed. And about yeah. a week later, you see it on somebody's Facebook feed. And yeah. about a week after that, you see it on the BBC. A week? A year after that, I think, <laughs> on <right>. the BBC. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as you alluded to, Paul, uh, it's not quite as clear-cut as build your own tools versus user service, is it? No. There's this like, weird middle ground of like open-source stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the way I understand it is somebody's put a load of research into building something that does something. So yeah. a popular example of this might be the Android operating system, which, you know, if you've got an Android phone, that's what it's running on. Google have gone ahead and built this Android operating system and then said to anybody else, use it if you want. Yeah. I mean, this this does hark back to the the um, the promise of the internet, doesn't it? All knowledge should be free and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so people are just sticking stuff out there. It's uh, it's wonderful and also absolutely 
frustrating. I was going to use a bad word then. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it also seems to fly in the face of business. I've built this amazing thing, spent loads of money doing it. Yeah. Anyone can use it for free now. Yep. And um, you've been experiencing that with Stable Diffusion, haven't you? Which is an image generation tool. As with anything open source, if you have a question about how to do something, there are hundreds of answers. <laughs> and, you know, not all of them are right. Um, not everything is up to date because the people tend to stick stuff out and, oh, well, I'll deal with the documentation later, it's particularly when it comes to updates. And you'll find halfway through doing something, so you get an hour into a tutorial trying to work out how the None of it is relevant anymore, and it's all changed. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it comes with frustration. But I'd say there's, there's like, weird... There's, like... I suppose there's weird hybrids of, like, free software, and I suppose, relating it to our old world, like, Blender would yeah. be an example of that, a free piece of 3D software that you can use, fully functional. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Unreal Engine. Yeah. Uh, although that is changing... They had that. They had a that that commercial model, though, didn't they? If you were using it for commercial purposes, am I right? It used to be after you've made a hundred thousand quid, right? Yeah. Okay. They then started charging. So they, they they were saying just use this product until you've made a load of money. Yeah. Um, but they're changing that at the moment. See, so. in a business sense, that's about market share, isn't it? Yeah. Having watched the two videos you just sent me, oh. mainly mainly the one about WeWork. Um, that's a whole other episode. That's a that whole is other epi- a whole episode. We should touch on that though. <laughs> yeah, but my God, is oh, as uh, we work is a shared office space, which is relevant because we've been using shared office spaces, and they are probably the pioneer or the best known of yeah. that world. Yeah. But there's this awesome video which we will link, um, which is literally uh, which is about how you can grow a. For a company reputably worth 40 billion quid <laughs> and not make a penny's profit, yet yeah. as the founder, you walk away with 750 million quid. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that, Paul. <laughs> Let's yeah, do that. <laughs> uh, just bonkers. so to bring it back around to our central theme, which I'm going to try and do, it seems like there's there's kind of three main routes to think about, which is build everything from scratch. Yep. So build your own software, your own systems, and own them, generating value in your company. There's the other end of that, which is don't build anything, just use everybody else's platforms yep. and you know pay for them. And then in the middle, there's this weird open source world where you're kind of using a piece of software that somebody else has paid for, but then adding your value by changing it a bit. The weird thing about the open source software, there's lots of paid stuff around it. The core of it might be free. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can buy um, various add-ons or templates, or even somebody may have written a workflow, and, you you, you know, you charge for that. I mean, there's the, the, um, there is in Stable Diffusion, there's a world of, like, Paying for prompts or prompt techniques and, you know. This is yeah. happening in a lot of different places, that people are building products on top of open source software yeah, and charging for access to it. Yeah. So they're essentially taking um, somebody's software, which they've spent millions, I imagine, developing, 
Yeah. And then they're using that software and making money off the top of it, but stable diffusion don't get anything. Yeah. <laughs> that is that, that I can't wrap my head around. No. But it's great that it exists. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna have done our preamble there, Paul. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to take a quick sting and then we'll tell you what we've been up to this week. Okay. I haven't prepped it to play it in. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, wait. Oh, all right. I'm going to have to set it up again. God, I'm not doing very well today. <laughs> I'm not doing very well today. I have the same kind of morning. Everything is fighting with me today. <laughs> I found the sting. Really? Here we go. Here's the sting. After years of analog success, lifelong media vets Martin and Paul are entering the digital unknown. The tech-naive duo will either adapt or become obsolete. Join these plucky, wise-cracking founders as they document the genuine struggles of using machine learning. Will artificially intelligent guides rocket them to digital disruption? Or will the learning curve squash their scrappy moxie? Stay tuned for the triumphant failures of two savvy dinosaurs striving to evolve on the meat puppets. So, um, what have been up to this week, Paul? We've been looking at... Selling some products on an existing marketplace. I think yeah. I said that right. Yeah. yeah so Gumroad, which is an established marketplace um, in the world of pretty much uh, door people, audio people, music Door producers. stands for Digital Audio Workstation. It does indeed. We've been looking at uh, how you sell some things on there. Um, we are in the process of creating our own shop, but as uh, as a, as if you've been listening, you know we are quite new to this digital sales world. We thought it would be a good idea to um, <clears throat> not do products and the shop at the same time and kind of dip our toes in the water a little bit and find out what kind of things we'll be facing. And by that, I mean... Um, Hopefully, interactions with customers and how digital download works, what kind of feedback you'll get. So it's sort of like a trial run. Is this like us taking a market stall in an afternoon at Stockport Market as opposed to deciding to build the Trafford Centre? Yes, indeed. Yeah, it might even be a car boot sale, but yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and I think that's um, one, it will give us a little bit more time to develop the shop. Uh, yep. It might be a, a faster route to market, and as mentioned, we will be um, getting used to dealing with, I'm going to call them digital customers. Yeah. <laughs> customers call, that we don't see in person. They call them users, don't they, in the digital world? They do. User yeah. personas. As this, yes. You know the indeed. only other industry that calls their customers users? No, go on. Drug dealers. Oh, it's a good point. <laughs> it's just an observation. <laughs> yeah. So... What we're doing really is doing a bit of, uh, if we're going to put it into marketing speak, is we're kind of testing the market, getting some products out there quickly and see what the market reaction is. Correct. Yeah. And we'd have the added bonus of potentially actually generating some revenue. Yes. Which out of the stuff I'm watching is apparently something you don't do in the digital world. Don't make revenue. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Don't do that. It's a stupid idea. You just you just bang on about how big your company is and how wonderful it's going to be, and and we'll work out how to make some profit later. Yeah, and yeah. I can kind of I can kind of understand that because if you get a big enough market share, yeah, you only kind of need to cut your costs by half a percent to make a load of money. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know if you haven't got a big market share, then cutting your costs by half a percent is not really going to make any difference. So I do get that. 
but it, it does feel really alien. It feels really strange, especially when they, they, the, the, the metric is growth and growth only. And you're yeah. thinking, you're, just, you're growing something that doesn't make a profit, so you're, just, you're growing your loss. Okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> well, I should say, alongside that, we are building some tools to help us with the process, uh, yes. to help us with our internal processes. We are. And we've got a couple of those going. So, um, and like I know this week that you were trying to generate some themes as a product. By themes, I mean how the product looks, which can sound really silly, but it does make a big difference when you use it every day. It does. And uh, there's also a whole, um, there's also a whole thing of like, uh, I want my thing to look cool. I think it's, I think it's a lot of that is based in games where you will customize your character and all the rest of it. And you just reskinning, I believe that's called. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. So, yeah. Um, but didn't you build a tool to help you make the themes? Well, I didn't build it. Jake did, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, um, <clears throat> so one of the, 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 the file that generates the theme in the software was a little bit impenetrable. Um, it basically just a long list with hexadecimal color values in it. If people aren't familiar with that, uh, representing a color on a screen, a particular com- a computer screen, there is a little six-digit code. Yeah, that that tells your browser or whatever to show this color. Um, and it was just a big list of those with some impenetrable names. So I asked Jake how if it would be possible to build. Uh, a little editor for us um, that would show it in a more sensible way and also give us a nice big block of colour so you can get a feel for it, which he did. He kind of knocked together in a couple of days, really. Um, that could end up being a product that we we put out there. It, it's not the theme thing itself at the moment is not the prettiest, but it works, and that's the you know that's the main part. Yeah, and we've done that with a couple of things, and I suppose that yeah. is part of the mentality we're trying to do is everything every challenge we're facing we're building a process or hopefully a digital tool to help us do that in a better or quicker way yeah and eventually we'll be releasing those as tools that's it yeah because other people will be trying to do what we're doing or maybe paul what we should do is give them away for free to get a market share yeah yeah maybe we should (laughs) i just talk it up Assign a value to it and then uh, chuck maybe three or four noughts on the end of that. That's correct. What's your company <laughs> worth? What can you say without breaking into a sweat? The company's <laughs> yeah. worth 20 billion. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, can't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um, mm. So you introduced me to something that completely consumed my weekend, Paul. I did. You introduced me to a thing called Notion, which sounds Notion. like this is uh, apparently the most exciting topic I can think of is relational databases. Ooh. Woo! But essentially, it's a project management tool, much like people might be, excuse me, people might be familiar with Monday.com or Trello. Like, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Asana. Slack. Exactly. It's another one of those. But I do have to say, it's the best one that I've, I've personally come across. I think we might be experts on this because we have used them all over the years. Yeah, this, I mean, this is true. I mean, you do need a project management tool. And the challenge is, 
is that you don't spend all your time filling in your project management tool rather than doing your projects. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to lose control of your projects because you haven't got any project management. Yeah. And the other the other thing, um, I think that <clears throat> uh, Notion so far is that um, it looks a lot like, although at quite early days, that we won't have to use much, if not anything else, as in you can go here and it will all be here. Yeah. And the the thing that I got really excited about, I'm getting excited about relational data <laughs> oh, related databases. Relational databases. I can't believe them. what has happened to me. I'm not excited about film releases anymore. No. I'm not excited about a new camera. I'm excited about relational databases. Um but what I feel that's really good about Notion, and I I'm probably gonna be proved wrong over the weeks ahead, but anyway, is that it feels like we're putting data into something that's going to be genuinely useful yeah rather than throwing it onto google drive and not knowing what to do with it after that or writing it down in a notepad or storing yeah. it in my loft and quite a few ways to wrangle that data we do have our uh, software developer having a look at what we can do so we might even be doing some of our own front ends with this as well so anyway let's anyway. move on to some ai news shall we <laughs> yeah let's do that Let's go and talk about some AI news. Right, I've got my sting lined up now. Right, uh, we'll go get on some AI news, Paul. Let's do that. Let's do that. Bit of a harsh cut off there, but there you go. Well, well you know, it's a new right, world. I've got a massive list of stuff that's happened this week. It's a big list. It's again. I'd, I... I think we should probably cherry pick and bump some stuff till next week. Yeah. No, I was going to say, a few of these things are pretty much the same thing. You could group them all into... Uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder. Go on, go for it. Well, you know, I just thought about... Whilst we're talking about open source versus using other people's tools versus building your own... Yeah. I've always thought that all the tools that we used to use, so like video editor uh, software, digital audio workstations, you know... Uh, motion graphics software. I was like, yeah. unless they get onto this AI thing, they are screwed is what I've been thinking. Yeah. And you've seen little implementations in things like Resolve. They've put little things in there like automatic caption generation. And After Effects has got some little bits. Photoshop has done some kind of generative AI, yeah. generative image fill. But I do have to say my biggest thing this week is Adobe of uh, who do loads of different software for video generation and graphics. I've just gone, we're going all in on AI. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they've got a whole raft of stuff that's available now and a load of stuff that they say is coming. It was all announced in Adobe Max, right? Which is their, like, annual event. Yeah. Where they go, this is what we're doing. This is the Woo, cool stuff. we're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I've been quite negative about Adobe products, generally. <laughs> yeah. Because this does seem like they've gone, okay, AI's happening, we want to own this space. And I don't see anybody else in, like, traditional video tools world mm. going anywhere near it. Ah, oh, you know, I did speak to an old friend of ours, Steve, yep. um, who's uh, doing an uh, an AI graphics course. Amazing. Yeah. That's good news. That's good news. That's a change, that. That's a change, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe he's been listening to this, Paul. We did say podcast seems to be going well, so All you right. never know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we've changed some minds. Um, 
Anyway, first product, they've updated Adobe Premiere, and you have been able to, for a while now, generate captions automatically uh, in Premiere. You know, it scans the audio, much like Descript does, which is what we use to edit this podcast at the moment, Yeah, and then generates it into some captions, you know, which takes a load of legwork out of having to do it, having to transcribe it. But now they've implemented a feature where you can edit your video via the text document. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Descript has been doing it for years, yeah. but it's the first time I've seen something like that inside um, a product like this. Uh, Resolve does it as well, but this is probably the smallest of their announcements. So I'm going to go on to the two biggest ones, I think. If you do graphics at all, um, Adobe Illustrator is yes. to do with vector graphics. Yep. And up till now, everything I've seen uh, in terms of generative AI has been about generating pixels. Yeah. So it generates an image, and it's usually a pretty low-res image, which for online use is absolutely fine. Yeah. But this is about essentially text to vector. Yeah. Pretty and special, actually. It, I, I don't know if you've seen the demo of this, Paul. Yes, I And have, I, yeah. I haven't jumped into Illustrator yet to give it a go. No. But, so you can just write some text and it will generate you a vector-based image based on your text input. <laughs> you can also do image and text to vector. So yeah. you can drop in an image and go, I like the style and colours of this image. Generate me a new vector image based on this. So let me try and give a real-world example. <laughs> so say, like, you really like the poster to Fight Club. Uh, going Fight Club and David Fincher again because I'm <laughs> kind of obsessed. So say so you like that picture. So get the get the poster to Fight Club. Then go generate me a new poster for Skipping Club. <laughs> Don't know why. Skipping Club based on this. And then it'll generate you a vector-based image um, which looks like the David Fincher poster for Fight Club but yeah. is about your new film, Skipping Club. Yeah. Um, but the benefit of this is vector images can be infinitely scaled. There's no kind of resolution to vectors. No. So there's no limitation. You could use this a mile wide and a mile high or a centimeter wide and a centimeter high, and it'd be the same quality. Yep. And the second thing about this is that it's completely editable. Yeah. Big, you know, so if you suddenly wanted to make something bigger within that image, you can do that using your traditional tools. Whereas when you're using generative images that create pixel-based images, you can't do that. This is a massive game changer. Yeah. And I, c I can see the world we used to work in adopting yeah. this very quickly. We used to sit in the middle between um, designers, shall we say, so graphic designers, motion designers, etc., and clients, right? Yeah. Yeah, it also feels like um, that clients can be using directly because this is project briefs as well, though, isn't it? I was thinking about logo design when I was looking at it and all the rest yeah. of it. It's like, you know, you just do it directly. Well, so relating it back to us as well, it's just like icon design. Yeah. And another part of it, which I haven't actually mentioned, is font design. Yeah. So you can hand draw a few letters of a font and ask it yeah. to generate you any text in that style of font. Yeah. And that's been a big job in the past, hasn't it? I genuinely think that is going to be one of the biggest changes in like, mm. if you like, in the non-AI world. Yeah. I think they're just going to jump on that. Yeah. Um, 
But while we're talking about that, we talked about copyright before, there's a little side announcement they made as well, which is they're trying to push, push this new standard. So they want to encourage everybody to use a symbol on their images oh, yeah. to say that it's AI generated. Yep. C, a, what is it? CR? CR? It's CR, which weirdly stands for content credentials. Right. I was trying to work that bit out, what it was for. I couldn't see it. But anyway, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I should say everything we're talking about, there's links in the description, by the way. Yes. So you can, yes. you can go and see it all because I know we're talking about image stuff in yep. an audio format. <laughs> yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> Well, this is what happens know. when video people do a podcast, man. Well, we're trying it, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, CR content credentials. Con yeah. oh. I believe Google did it as well. So I haven't seen that from Google, actually. It's a, uh, Yeah, it's mentioned, actually, and it'll be mentioned in the same article. But, um, right. Yeah. I've forgotten what their logo is, though. Are the two different logos? Yeah, as ever. Oh. Different standards. Oh, open source. Oh, <laughs> I know. I, I can't see anyone ever doing it. I don't know about you, what you think. Well, but... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it <clears throat> seems to be after the conversation we had um, last week. <laughs> will AI be able to spot? You know, will he be able to tell? Yeah, that was, that was last week. That was the week before, wasn't it? No, was that was it? last week. That was last week. That was week. last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It seems that this is the answer. <laughs> this The answer is to manually tell everyone that you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. And that means there'll be no more fake news. No, there'll be no more sarcastic. fake TikTok profiles or fake Instagram profiles, honestly. You'll face... be able to just look for the CR yeah. logo. Yeah. And you'll know. So problem yeah. solved. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and that is all the, it's not all of the Adobe announcements, but it's the major one. Now, they do something else when they do Adobe Max. They make loads of announcements about stuff that's coming up that yes. isn't in products now. Yeah. But to kind of get you excited for the future. Yeah. And um, here's a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> Obvious pickup. <laughs> Love it. Keep that in. <laughs> if you yeah. listen to this, we recorded the, Adobe, the stuff that you're about to hear, the Adobe stuff. We recorded this much later, and this is a pickup <laughs> to make it seamlessly fit in to the bit that you just listened to. Adobe? Adobe? I always get that wrong. Um they made loads of announcements for future stuff. I always hate this. You know, like available in a future firmware update or yeah. coming in a new, you know. But uh, Adobe Match, they teased a load of stuff, which I think for our old industry and like the guys we used to work with, this is going to be game changing. And there's a few. But let me just highlight them really quickly because these aren't out in products yet. But no. Adobe said it's on their roadmap. Yep. So, Project Fast Fill. That yep. is Generative Fill, which I think we're all familiar with. Draw around yep. an area, tell it what you want to be in there, and yep. it generates it. Yep. A nice-looking tie. It, exactly, yeah. <laughs> generative Fill for video. Yeah. And the, you're right, exactly the, uh, the thing that they show is a um, guy walking down some stairs. Oh, he's forgotten to put his tie on. Yeah. Um, so you draw a tie-shaped thing with your mouse, and your eye fill with silk tie. Yeah. And then it generates a silk tie, and yeah. it actually gives you three options of a silk tie. Yeah. And then he walks down the stairs with his tie on now. Yeah. Um, 
It's uh, it's impressive that I mean we don't know if we're looking at an actual thing, but it's impressive it, the way it deals with the lighting and all the rest of it. I think you it'd know. be fair to say, Paul, we've made enough product videos in our time, yeah, to know that when you make the product video, the product might not be ready. That, that's true, and you may have to imagine what the product might do. Yes, we're not saying that Adobe's done this. We're not saying that at all, are we? No, no not even no. slightly. So from the simplest thing of painting out a logo, because yeah. you're on the BBC, so yep. Yep. you've got to paint out logos, you're not allowed to have undue prominence of logos. Yep. That was a job for somebody. It was, yeah. That's just a click, if this yeah. is to be believed. <laughs> Long-winded job yeah. as well. Yeah, 700 absolutely. frames or something, oh my word. Absolutely. Um, okay, another one they've got coming up is Project Scene Change. So this is about compositing. Yeah. And the way they demo this is they have um, a really big wide shot, um, which is like a tracking shot of some glorious looking gardens. Yeah. And they've got a green screen shot of somebody walking. Yeah. And what does this does intelligently is from a 2D image, creates a 3D point cloud. So it's like does a fake 3D track on the image. Yeah. Works out how big the person should be and composites yeah. them into the scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they've got Project Stardust. So Project Stardust is like, it is generative fill, but with really good object detection. And the yeah. way I can think this is relevant. So if you, you could write the text without having to like select the area by going, change the jacket to a suit jacket. And it'd find, it'd use object detection to go, where's the jacket in the picture? It would select the jacket and change it. Yeah. So it's taking even more steps out of the loop. Yeah. Um, so if those things are coming to Adobe, it, it may make me want to renew my subscription. I do have I know, to say. I, I know. I've just got rid of mine a couple of weeks ago. I think we talked and, about it last time. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking and at I, it myself going, oh. Yeah, you now need to do a seamless out. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, the crazy announcements at Adobe, Paul. Crazy announcements, weren't they, them? Seamless pickup inserted, no one ever knew. <laughs> <laughs> did did you see that Warner Brothers <clears throat> signed um, their first AI artist? I did not see that, no. Mm, I think we'll chat about it another time. It's just something I saw very quickly this morning. Um, yeah, so um, there's a lot of argument about whether it is actually AI or not. Oh, anyway. we put that on next week's podcast. Put that yes. on next week's podcast list. Yes, I'm interested yes, in yeah. that. Yeah. That's called a tease. A tease yeah, to next week's podcast. Yes. Oh. Exciting. <laughs> so while we're talking about copyright, um, another big gun has come out and said, we're going to defend you if you generate content using our AI tools and yeah. someone comes after you for copyright. Yeah. And that is Google. Yeah. So Google have come out now. Uh, Adobe have come out now, and Microsoft yeah. have come out. So they're digging their heels in, aren't they? They are. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, considering yeah. that you still can't copyright an AI image by mm -hmm. law. That, that's mm -hmm. not a thing. Mm -hmm. And all the artists are still trying to sue all of the um, yeah. generative AI yeah. people. It's all American big tech, though, isn't it? I've got it a is. feeling that that will uh, bump into the EU and other places. That's going to, you know, <clears throat> it's happened before. But what big tech companies are there in the EU? 
No, not that. I mean, um, you know, it's going to bump the... into EU law. I get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a. I was just trying to think of a big. It's a big UK generative AI company. Oh, Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, right, we're going to go on. So I'm just going to jump onto something. Um, oh, you know, while we're talking about copyright. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about the writer's strike in the US yes. last week and yes. that it's kind of finished. Yes. But it's only the writers who've come off strike. Yeah. I was looking into this again this week and the actors are still out and they're trying to push this thing uh, called the no fakes act i'll say that again no fakes act yeah and it's i looked into it I actually looked at the wording of the act and it isn't actually an acronym it's the biggest acronym in the world that's a grand claim it's not but it's an acronym do you want to know what it stands for i do go on i can't wait it stands for nurture originals foster art and keep entertainment safe. <laughs> How long did that take them? <laughs> I know, and they've missed the and. They've just decided the and bit can just be missed. <laughs> so, nurture originals, yeah. foster art, keep entertainment safe. I know why they've done that. It sounds very chanceable. Yeah. <laughs> nurture originals, foster art, keep entertainment oh, yeah, safe. I can, eat, I can hear them in the street now, yeah. waving the banners around. No fake, no fake. I know, yeah. it's not like a football chant, is it? The words are a bit... No. Nurture yeah. originals, please. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all right with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. But actually reading it, right, I actually read... I went through and read the legals of it. Um, so they've, they've put this act forward and said this should be a part of every contract going forward. And it, again, Paul, you deserve yeah. credit. They're yeah. essentially saying what we discussed when we were talking about voiceover licensing. Yeah. They're basically saying that if anyone uses their likeness or their voice, then they have to pay a license and they'd yeah. need to give informed consent. Yeah. Which seems really reasonable to me. Yeah. And a fantastic and obvious. opportunity to earn loads of money with only doing a little bit of work. So what you should have done, Paul, is got in touch with them before they went on strike and just go, this is the way you should do it. Yeah. And then there would be no need for this massive acronym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to save the world that pain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you sent me something yesterday, though, um, that was... No, uh, while that's going on. <laughs> yeah, but you sent me something yesterday that is this implemented. It is. So tell us about that. So there was a, there's a game released uh, a few years back, uh, 2020, I think, um, called Cyberpunk. Huge game, big splash. Um, Keanu Reeves was in there, I believe. Yeah. And <clears throat> in Cyberpunk... Oh, sorry, I'll give it his full title, Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, the gamers, if they're listening, will appreciate that, Paul. Yeah, they will, yeah. I know, because they go, they go a little bit mad, don't they, if you don't yeah. get it right. Anyway, there was uh, one of the characters in there was a Ripper Doc, and Ripper Docs were... Um, they do your augmentations. It was all about, uh, well, actually, as you can guess, like with cyberpunk, it was about augmenting your body with processors and robotics and all the rest of it. Yeah. So one of these Ripper Docs names was Victor Vector, uh, yep. played by the actor. Are you ready for this pronunciation? Good luck. Miwagosh Recek, I think. I'm, I'm going to um, say that's right, Paul. 
<laughs> okay, I, yeah, good. I, well, I, yeah. I don't know really, but that's right. Yeah, well done. Sorry to anybody, uh, anybody who's Polish. I'm probably butchered that, but there you go. Um, <clears throat> and he unfortunately died. So there's been an update since uh, to the game, uh, and there's new storylines. So as part of the new storylines, um, there was more conversation with uh, Victor. Um, I believe so that's the Phantom Liberty expansion. That's the Phantom Liberty expansion, yep. And um, so to get around this, they used AI voice, which is pretty much what we did last week. They trained a model and gave him some new speech. And I suppose the most important thing here is that the family signed off on it. And there was payments. So this is this has like this and the no fakes act. I'm going to say that loads of times just because it makes yep. me laugh. <laughs> the no fakes act. It you can fight against it, but it has really big implications. Like uh, speaking in like pure, purely like financial way, your likeness and your voice are now becoming a revenue generating asset, well beyond your ability to generate revenue with it in a natural way. Yeah. I think There's we saw a, that with Bruce Willis as well, didn't we? Yeah. He, he was in an advertising campaign, but he yeah. obviously he didn't turn up. This is the part I don't understand. It's, it's a bit like um, I was thinking about it in context of, um, you know, bands always used to clamour after a um, Christmas number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you end up on those playlists. This is the kind of attitude I think all these voice actors should have. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> <laughs> like generate a character that no one ever wants to see disappear. Yeah. Make sure there's enough content for him. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and okay. Going. So whilst we're talking about that, um, I'm going to jump on to um, 11 Labs. They've got some news out this week. Yeah. And they've got a new service out, which I'm trying to figure out the best way of describing this. Um, so it's called 11 Labs Language Dubbing Feature, the first generative speech synthesis platform. Yeah, And if you don't know, so 11 Labs have an AI-generated voice. And we yep. did cover it last week, if you want to go back and have a listen, where I trained my voice in 11 Labs, and I can just type in, and then it will speak kind of like a drunk me, <laughs> I think is the easiest way of <laughs> describing it. <laughs> Which one's my voice model in? I've forgotten. Your models, you, you, no, no, your model's in Descript. Oh, yes. So this new service is, the idea is, um, and we've done this because we used to do loads of TV ads for the gaming industry, is that you need to create local language versions of marketing assets. I think that's the yeah. main market for this. Yeah. And But what this service does is you take your finished ad, which is probably voiceover led, although they do say it'll work with characters as well, and you upload it to them, you pick the language you want it to be in, and it basically matches the style, the tone, and the timing of any voices in the video clip that you upload it. Change the language. Change the language. So you are speaking in the foreign language. Amazing. It's not you. The voiceover is in yeah. the foreign language. Yeah. So, which is crazy because I've done a lot of dubbing in my time. Um, yeah. And... What I find weird about it is I don't think I've ever done any dubbing where the language you're changing to fits in the space of the video that you've got in the English language. No. And because the English language in itself is mad. Yeah. 
and all languages really differ in terms of the style and tone. I thought this, yeah. this is this is a really difficult thing to do. It's amazing, um, actually. Yeah. So I thought I'd give it a blast, and I got really excited when I saw it. Actually, I just thought I've got to go and try this out. So, what I thought first of all we needed was a um, advert to try it on. Um, yep. Thought I'd do a fictional advert to get us out oh, of copyright. Oh, I was hoping you'd say it's our new product. But no, well, no, well, it might, <laughs> it might be Paul. It's a fictional product for something that can't exist. <laughs> um, of course, I got a large language model to write it for me, um, and then I got a good friend Andy, um, who's a voice actor, to see if he'd record it. I thought I'd try and give it its best chance. I thought I'm going to give it a well-recorded, well-delivered voice. Yep. Um, so, do you want to hear the original ad? So this is the original UK ad that we created for a fictional product called The Future Loop. Here it comes. The future's coming. Meet it head-on with The Future Loop. These revolutionary glasses use predictive AI to show you the world 30 seconds early in stunning 4K resolution. Built-in sensors scan your surroundings for a 99.9% .9 accurate glimpse ahead. Dodge danger. Detect opportunities. Win arguments. The possibilities are endless. Be the first to react and take advantage with The Future Loop for only £2,000. The future's already here. You just can't see it yet. But with The Future Loop, the future is now. There we go. <laughs> Suitably cheesy it. radio ad. It's amazing. I could just say I love the way Andy says AI. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> so uh, Andy um, um, is of Greek heritage and uh, asked. Uh, I thought I'd try and get it done in Greek and send it back to him. I'm not going to play that because it's the first one I tried and I don't know if the model's not quite there yet, but it half of it was still in English. Right, yeah. So I th I don't know if it was just oversubscribed, but I thought give Eleven Labs a fair go, and I thought I'd try something like French. Do you want to hear that ad in French? I do. Here we go. L'avenir arrive. Faites-lui face avec The Future Loop. Ces lunettes révolutionnaires utilisent l'IA prédictive pour vous montrer le monde 30 secondes à l'avance en résolution 4K époustouflante. Les capteurs intégrés analysent votre environnement pour un aperçu précis à 99,9%. Danger to dodge. Détectez les opportunités. Gagnez les arguments. Les possibilités sont infinies. Soyez le premier à réagir et à en profiter avec le futur. Boucle pour seulement 2000 array. Le futur est déjà là. Vous ne pouvez simplement pas le voir encore. Mais avec la boucle du futur, le futur est maintenant. I'll stop it. Yeah. And I've got no idea whether that was French. <laughs> so um, I have done some Spanish versions as well. Do you want to listen to it in Spanish, yeah. Paul? Yeah. Uh, here's the Spanish. El futuro se acerca. Enfréntalo de frente con The Future Loop. Estos anteojos revolucionarios utilizan IA predictiva para mostrarte el mundo 30 segundos antes en impresionante resolución 4K. Los sensores incorporados escanean tu entorno para darte una visión precisa del 99.9% del futuro. Esquiva el peligro. Detecta oportunidades. Gana argumentos. Las posibilidades son infinitas. Sé el primero en reaccionar y aprovechar el futuro. Bucle por solo 2,000. So, I mean, it sounds good it to me. 
It's outrageous. Uh, can I just say that, Martin? That's the first time I've heard it uh, in in good quality. You played it on the phone during the week. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Andy's voice, the tone, and everything—it's pretty astounding. Considering that when we trained Andy's voice on forty-five minutes worth of dialogue, it didn't sound anywhere near as good as that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we should use Andy's model to create an ad, and then translate that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I should have done that in the first place. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So, because I don't speak French or Spanish, because I'm a stupid Brit, uh, I thought I'd send it off to some people who do speak those languages. Yes. And I've got a little bit of feedback. And these were his exact words. It's South American Spanish. Castilian is probably better. Totally understandable. So, that seems pretty pretty good to me it's a ad work well yeah i'm blown away yeah and then we also sent it off to uh, a french speaker future loop so it struggles to decide if future loop is a brand name or words to be translated so it does a mixture of both but it's understandable yeah. a bit squiffy mm. it does literal <laughs> translations sometimes for sayings rather than giving you the natural french but then you get that with google translate too sounds like a 40 year old with french of a 16 year old if that makes any sense <laughs> which is totally passable and understandable. Yeah. Hope that helps. Yeah. yeah. So, it's not perfect. And no. you wouldn't expect it to be perfect. No. But I think this ties into something else. It's like, it's it's never really the best option that wins out the market, is it? It's, it's the one that's good enough. Yeah, if the, if the information comes across, you know. And it really ties in with what we've been talking about. You know, the, one of the main best, the, one of the main things of being advantages of being an AI business, sorry, being a digital business, is that you've got a global audience. Exactly. Yeah. And we've really started thinking about when we're getting towards launching our first product about how it comes across in different markets. Yeah. And you know the the arrogant opinion has been English is the international language of business. Therefore, stick it in English. Everyone will speak English anyway. Yeah. And I think that's 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 a goner. That could be about to change, yeah. Uh, and uh, also, just, just reach um, the, the amount of translations. I don't know how many languages are available at launch. Um, a lot. A lot. That's what I would say. A lot. But the expense of doing an advert like that for a small company like us would be astronomical and just yep. not worth it. So when you talk about... Um, <clears throat> which model wins out well the fact that even if we get a somewhat garbled message out there or something that's you know like um like the french translation it's certainly good enough for us it's, it's weird isn't it because in yeah. our old life because that was so expensive to do and difficult to do we got loads of work out of doing translations of other people's products indeed we did yeah <laughs> but on this side, it was like, God, that's too... Uh, I suppose if this kind of service wasn't available, we wouldn't even think of doing it. You just no. dismiss it and go, it's too yeah. expensive. We're not doing yeah. it. And we're going to put our trust in it as well. But, you know, uh, um, well, we kind of did that in the past because I do remember mixing various language versions of um, and editing various language versions of some adverts and not actually knowing what I'm listening to. <laughs> yeah, it's a bizarre experience, isn't it? It is a bizarre yeah. experience, yeah. <laughs> I did want to say, actually, that, that dubbing films, that will be huge as well. I can't imagine that that's that far away, you know. So I was going to try this out. So apparently 
it will de detect up to like 15 characters in a clip. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I generally can't cope with dubbing, but you know. Um, My missus is the same. Yeah. Subtitles all the way. Yeah, subtitles generally for me, but it will definitely be worth a try. Um, I've, if anybody's ever had the pleasure of watching any Polish dubbed films, it's a very strange thing. <laughs> when Poland was behind the Iron Curtain, as the saying goes, obviously there was a lot of um, films released in the West that yeah. were not available over there, but they used to pirate them. And there was a huge trade in uh, dubbing them, but of course they didn't have the non-dialogue versions, you know, to dub. Yeah. So they'd just do it over the top anyway. And, like a news um, report. Like a news report, yeah, with the yeah. other speech going on. But that tradition kind of remains, and they're still available. And there's quite a few actors in Poland who were, say, the Polish Sylvester Stallone or the Polish Arnold Schwarzenegger, and their, their voices have become popular. They're, they're going to lose out. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But, then, you know, there is something about that. So, uh, obsessed with films, Terminator 2. Uh, in fact, Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Um, I almost went for the accent, but then uh, stopped halfway through. He's Austrian, isn't he? Yes. And so he wanted to do the dubbed voice uh, for the German language version or Austrian yeah. language version. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him do it because his accent in that country is like our West Country accent. <laughs> oh, so he's got like a farmer's accent. But, like, to us, he's like a robot because we met him as, like, the Terminator yeah. or Barbarian or whatever. <laughs> but that'll be like, oh, you'll be back, my lover. <laughs> and it's how it would come across to them. Uh, and it'd just be really interesting to think of how this language change, you know, does it take that kind of stuff into account? Yeah. Because if it retains your style and tone, what yeah. to us is, like, a Hollywood A-lister, like, evil voice. Yeah tough guy is like we'll be back my yeah. lover give me your clothes your boots and your motorcycle <laughs> maybe it'd be a better film yeah. maybe it'd be a better film Martin can I just ask you how, how quick was it it was for that that's a 40 second ad yeah it took a minute 57 yeah wow it's fast and uh, it's not the uh, most polished of things, but there is, uh, I'll put it in the um, link in the description. I did a tutorial where you can see it in real time. Right. Yeah. And it is it is really, really quick. Yeah. Because I mean, one thing I'm definitely wondering about is how far away um, do you think that would be from real time? Because that's a definite game changer. It is. A, what, what's that thing called? A, a, a babelfish. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, that will really put the nail in the coffin for English as the business language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair comment. That's a fair, I mean, the rate that everything else is going at is probably not far off. No. Right, no. and uh, probably the last story we're going to do. So our predictions come out um, to say that AI is going to be dead in 2024. Mm. I don't uh, believe so it. So an analysts <laughs> predict AI is overhyped. Generative AI will get a cold shower in 2024. Yeah. Um, so it, I did think, you know, this may be a thing. It's like we have, like, given up a profitable business to go all in in this digital world with a lot enabled by AI. We're kind of thinking we, we, mm -hmm. we'd have to be a much bigger team. 
yeah. if we didn't have AI to help us. Yeah. And I was just thinking, oh, we're about to have the rug pulled from under us. But then I looked at um, a quote from a guy called Clifford Stoll from Newsweek in 1995. Oh, yeah. And here is quote. Um, Hardware and software will top out in the mid-90s, and thus the internet will never, ever get any more user-friendly or portable. Also, it's different and scary. <laughs> well done, Clifford. <laughs> well done, Clifford. <laughs> where where, where uh, is he now, Clifford? Uh, uh, well, he, uh, uh, I don't Still actually Still figuring know, out AOL. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's, he's asking Jeeves. <laughs> We should. Uh, I, he might still be big, Paul. We should be careful. Yeah, sorry, Clifford. I don't I'm know sorry, Clifford. Yeah. Apparently, he's very good humoured about it. All right. Um, okay. Good. But the article, the article was entitled "Hype Alert: Why Cyberspace Isn't and Will Never Be Nirvana." <laughs> and the title of this article: "Overhyped Generative AI Will Get a Cold Shower in 2024." Right. Analysts yeah. predict. Digging down into the detail of it. One of these analysts is well into his 90s. Okay. And I know that maybe people, as you get older, you have difficulty changing and getting into new stuff. I've just had a quick look at Clifford. Yeah? Yeah, he's selling stuff online. <laughs> Clever lad. <laughs> B- blown, blown glass Klein bottles. <laughs> Give him two years, he'll get onto drop yeah. shipping. Yeah. 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 Oh, wait a minute. He stores his inventory in the crawl space underneath his home in Oakland, California. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Go on. And accesses it when needed with a homemade miniature robotic forklift. Amazing. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Oh, go on, go I on. love that. When you said crawl space, I thought that yeah. was like a new database system. I <laughs> know. You know. It's a literal crawl space. No, and he's a got literal, a, mini, yeah. a mini robot. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to say that is all the AI news for this week. It go. isn't. There's loads more, but it's all we're going to cover. Yeah. Uh, but there <laughs> is loads, loads more, but um, still all happening. Um, we're going to go rather clunkily. Oh, I need to get these right. But next time I'm going to have these on the uh, stream deck, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. trying to go. I'm trying to go for a sting, and we're going to go for a sting. So yeah, just so everyone knows, all the links to everything we talked about will be in the description or the show notes for this. Yep. Um, so you can go and have a look for yourself. Um, Okay, so we're, so what we're talking about is build your own everything from scratch, yeah. Yeah. own your own everything, control your own everything, or pay for somebody else's platform and then build your value on top of that, yeah. or use a free open source platform and then build your own value on top of that. Kind of seems like three distinct options there, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but... What makes me think about like people like Adobe, who are so big, yeah, got so much leverage and so much capital. How, as a small startup, are you ever going to compete against something like that? Mm. How are you meant to compete with people who are building all these big platforms? 
Mm, I think I think you do what you what we talked about earlier, which is uh, add some notes onto the end of your valuation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and but the the other the downside of that is I remember um, we used to use uh, Adobe After Effects and um, for graphics, and all our graphics were stored in a particular form style of video, particular sort of technical format. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, one day, Adobe decided we're not going to support that anymore. Yeah, and because we'd had to update everything, suddenly our entire yeah. archive of uh, video animations yeah. no longer worked in the software that we were using. Well, that does relate, I think, to what you were talking about before, actually, about what these people are using in the background. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that a legal wrangling? About licensing in the background. It wasn't, you know, Apple decided to drop uh, QuickTime. Oh, Apple. Ah, that was it. Sorry, yeah. I'm confused yes. with something else. Yeah, you're absolutely yes. right. Yeah. So they, uh, Adobe used Apple, Adobe used QuickTime to encode this animation codec. That's Apple it. suddenly decided we're not doing QuickTime anymore. Yep. And suddenly all support was gone. Yeah. And that's a real danger, I think. Yeah, and rela relating it back to Notion, so this new project management tool, well, it's new to us. Yeah. Thinking and using one of your considerations has got to be right away. Are they going to be here in four years or are they going to turn into Google Hangouts? Yeah, exactly that. <clears throat> I mean, we did have disappear. a quick look. We have, we have kind of learned a bit that, that lesson a lot, which I think is uh, just worth mentioning. First thing to check on any new service that you decide to use is can you get your data out and yeah. is that data usable? <laughs> yeah, and it's one thing uh, Jake is checking out for us today properly. Yes. As well. But I think the other thing to look at when using a new service is like how much people have invested in it. Yeah. Because relating it back to WeWork, there is this idea that something may not be profitable. And, you know, if you're taking business analysis to it, you probably should stop doing it. But there's so much money tied up in it, it just it can't fail. Yeah, too big to fail. I think that the, in trying to come up with a strategy for us, so do we build our own platforms, rely on others? I think it's, I think it's got to be a mixture of them and assessing each one by the value that they give you. Yeah. So first question we always ask is, What's the monthly cost for this platform? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how much are our how much are our subscriptions going up every week? Yeah. <laughs> um and then you stumble across a new platform and you're like, oh, but that does what three other platforms do in one. That's really yes. exciting. Suddenly we can save twenty quid a user per month or something. <laughs> yeah. But then how much time is it going to take you to translate over to it? And will it even be here in three weeks? Yeah. Ah Annoying. Yes. I hope you're not expecting an answer. I am, yeah. I am oh. expecting an answer. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> okay, I think we should look to our original mission statement. It's probably not too far off. Is like, pick a niche you know, so video, music, marketing, and the market where you know the audience, and then make digital tools and products for them. Yeah. That solves the problems that we've had all our lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, business problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you're always under some kind of threat, aren't you? Relating it back to using a digital audio workstation, for instance, for yeah. I was using them in the nineties, you know. Yeah. And for a long time the state, you know, I was a Cubase user actually. Yeah. And Ableton came along and yeah. 
changed everything. I haven't used Cubase since. Similarly, in video world, it's, it's weird in the video world. There's a lot of very ancient pieces of software <clears throat> which are kind of still there. And I yeah. think mainly because everyone uses them already. Yeah. And you've got the talent pool to yeah. use them. And yeah. what I found really weird is how a tool follows um, a particular market. So it's so bizarre. If you like video editing as a thing, if you go to the TV world, it's all avid. Right, yep. If you go to, if you like the creator world, it's changing a bit now, it's all Premiere. Or yeah. the corporate world, it's all Adobe Premiere. Yeah. And then if you go into films and commercial world, it's Resolve. Right, yeah. And they all do very similar things. And they're quite, you know, like they will not budge from it. So in, in the TV world, if you can't use Avid, you're probably not going to work. Mm, yeah. It is changing. So my, my point is, is that I think people get used to a certain set of tools and they're considered to be the professional things that you use. Yeah. And I think you've got to be mindful of that when deciding where you're going to put your development time. Yeah. I mean, there is <clears throat> also, you do have market concerns where that's concerned with collaboration with people. So in the TV world, trying to find people who, who, who are competent and happy to use Resolve was really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think we should move on for that and go, we're undecided about what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to use a mixture of open source, paid for, and building our own tools. Yep. Um, and hedge I your suppose, bets. That's what we're your, doing, man. Yeah, we're going to hedge up. Basically, we're not going to make a decision. That's yeah. what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. At this point in time, we're not going to make a decision. We just know what the issues are. Yeah. And you know what, Paul? That's good enough for me. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> Sting! <laughs> Right then, I'm going to use a going to, Paul. I'm going to use a um, I'm going to use a digital software development term now. Go on. So we're at the end of a we're getting to the end of a sprint to no. launch our first product. Yeah, we are. So that's coming up next week. Yep. Um, hopefully, we'll manage to get that launched. Yep. Um, I haven't really heard about any big new upcoming AI releases, although. We were meant to get Gemini, which is yes. Google's new model, in October. So yes. it's still October. Yes. But I haven't seen that. Maybe yeah. that will land next week, and then everything we've just learned and the processes we put in place will be immediately obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should put some up at the head of this podcast. Um, if if Gemini has been released, don't bother listening to Yeah, this. don't bother listening, because it's totally <laughs> relevant now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you find this funny, but we're going to sign off now. Um, yeah. If you want to, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at Meet Puppets Pod, where we'll be sharing this and obviously bits of AI news as we come across it. Uh, we've got a YouTube page as well, which is called the Meet Puppets Podcast, where we post a podcast, but then also do some tutorials, which um, I apologize are really bad at the moment. And me and Paul are going to have an argument about that later down <laughs> the line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, and we've also got a LinkedIn page, which just feels weird saying we've got a LinkedIn page. Yeah. yeah. Spent my life avoiding it. Yeah. But we're on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you updated your profile yet, Paul? <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Did it say you still work at the den? 
Yeah. 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 Yeah, All right, so maybe yeah. not look at Paul's LinkedIn page. No, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little, little link at the top now. I will get to editing this soon. Right, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna open the next episode by reading your LinkedIn page. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? No. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Paul. Bye. <laughs>